Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. On the line now is the host of the BetMGM Tonight and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Ryan Horvath. He is on X at Ryan Horvath, just one T. Insider calls presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to listen to the BetMGM Tonight podcast for more of Ryan's analysis. Ryan, how's it going, brother? Doing great. My apologies if you hear the background noise. Usually I would be uh, in studio right now getting ready for the show, but... uh, Today has been a wild day in Washington, D.C., so I had to commute, and now I have to walk like two miles to get to work because I wanted to stop over at BetMGM, and I could actually uh, give you a little tip. I really like Georgia State, actually, tonight against Coastal Carolina. I wanted to grab a seven. Seven's now gone. It's down to six. I think Georgia State might win that game outright. They're off to their best start in school history, a perfect 3-0. and uh, And, yeah, they haven't really beat anybody yet, and I know we all love Coastal Carolina and Grayson McCall. But watch out for Georgia Southern, man. they got a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, Coastal Carolina really struggles to stop the run. So I think they're live tonight. So I wanted to uh, Coastal, get here early. Coastal hadn't looked the same without Jamie Chadwell running that program. It's been no, kind really of it's been a little that. bit of a step back. Yeah, a little bit of a step back. You know, I mean, and again, like we love Grayson McCall. And if you look at the numbers, I believe he has like four touchdowns to two picks. So they don't really pop off the page. But – they just, man, they lost a lot of weapons. And it's pretty much like him. He's like 75% of the offense right now. I'm actually yeah. kind of surprised that McCall stayed at Coastal Carolina because he got some big offers, including Alabama, a couple million dollars, and he decided to go back to Coastal. Um, so that was kind of surprising. Also probably shows you where, at, where Alabama's at as a program right now. Yeah, um, Grayson McCall, what's he, like 30, though, at this point? I feel like he's been there forever at this. I mean, like, I, I, uh, we've been talking about him for three years. He's, he's, like, he's got to be a fifth-year guy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's been there forever. Now, he had, like, a medical injury right. year. See, that's the thing. Like, these guys, like, I'm the biggest Sam Hartman fan. And it's funny, <laughs> like, on our show, right. we'll have, you know, we'll have people on, and they'll be like, you know, and Sam Hartman, look out for him maybe to, to move up. And I'm like, here's the thing. Sam Hartman, if he chooses, can have a 10-year career in the National Football League as a backup. Yes. But he's not six foot three, six foot four. He's not a starting quarterback. Some of these guys are just really good college quarterbacks, and that's okay. You know, Devin Leary... I like that pickup for Kentucky. But a lot of these guys, if they've been in college for four or five years, there's a reason why, right? Like, we're already waiting to see where Caleb Williams goes and Drake, Drake May goes because we're just waiting on those guys to have to complete their, their, their service duty. We're ready to see them in the National Football League. Some of these guys are like Grayson McCall. It's like, and even when you, like, preview Coastal Carolina, you're like, how the hell is this guy still the starting quarterback? He's been there since 1994. <laughs> Sam Hartman, there's no reason. There's nothing holding him back from being Gardner Minshew, right? Like, that, that's that's sort of the role he should be. He doesn't have a big arm. Yeah. He's relatively accurate. But if you need a placeholder quarterback or a solid backup, there he is. He's going to be there for you. Right. And you know, you know what's funny about that? Because that's what I always say, because I'm just the biggest Hartman fan. And it helps that I'm a Notre Dame fan. Right. And you never get nice things. I mean, isn't that your, that's, your, that's your profile picture on Twitter. There's no, the, no coincidence that they're playing Ohio State this week. It's Ohio State Hate Week, and you have <laughs> Sam Hartman as your, as your profile picture. Yeah, I had to throw that one up there with that beautiful beard and those beautiful locks. But it's funny because like, I love Wake Forest as a program. I like that mesh offense. 
And that's why I was a big Hartman fan, so I couldn't believe he actually ended up choosing Notre Dame because he had a couple different offers. I wouldn't have went to Florida either, so I don't blame him for that. Let them have Graham Mertz. But uh, you know what's funny about him, man? He doesn't have the strongest arm, but I was actually just looking at this because I bet Alabama – I'm sorry, Alabama. I bet Notre Dame on the – I bet the game of the year lines that come out in like June, July, and I bet Notre Dame plus seven and a half way, way, way a long time ago. But I was thinking, man, Ohio State's going to win this game. Do I bet back at the three? Do I take some money line? And I dove into this game, and I watch every game, obviously, at least try to. But I didn't realize Sam Hartman, like you said, he doesn't have the strongest arm. You know, like as far as intended air yards, fourth most in the nation, which I think says like a lot about Notre Dame's play calling, how good their freshman receivers and tight ends have been. But, uh, yeah, Hartman's been a lot better than projected, which is why that numbers went from 7.5 on the look-ahead line on the game of the year all the way down to three, because he looks like the real deal, and so does that offense. And then on the other side, I'm not sure about Ohio State. I, obviously, last week they finally sort of broke through. Granted, they're playing Western Kentucky, and Kyle McCord looked really good in that game. But he hadn't looked good, in, you know, for the for the most part this year. I, 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 there's two teams in particular. I think I've mentioned this to you. There's two teams in particular that I look at as, you know, before the season you call them college football playoff dark horses, but they are blue bloods in college football. But Penn State and Notre Dame are the two teams this year that I think can make noise where a lot of people didn't think they would be able to sort of reach the reach the peak of the college football playoff this year. Yeah, and I completely agree, especially with Penn State. The only thing holding me back on them was James Franklin, who I don't truly believe in. But man, that defense is really damn good. Uh, I think they're going to get after Iowa this weekend. And then in the running back room, you know, with Singleton and Allen, that running back room might be just as good as Michigan. But obviously Michigan has the bigger names with Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum. And, man, I mean, Penn State's passing offense, they upgrade. Uh, Drew Allers looked like the real deal, made his first road start last week. We'll see what he does against a pretty good Iowa defense. But I actually think Iowa's defense is a little overrated. I see some of these metrics have them as the number one team in the country. I'll tell you right now, Penn State's going to put up some points this weekend as long as it's not a complete weather game. I love the over. Uh, But I'm with you on Penn State, and I want to be with you on Notre Dame. I'm just a fan, so I've seen this movie before. And this is what concerns me. Like, the reason I'm going back on Ohio State, and I think they win this game, it has nothing to do with the quarterbacks because Kyle McCord right now doesn't look very good. You know, finally last week against Western Kentucky, the offense clicked a little bit. But on throws 20 or more yards down the field, he's 11 for 26 this year only, and he has the best wide receiver room in the country with a top-five pick in Marvin Harrison, and he still hasn't looked very good. I think, actually, this game's going to be one on the defensive side of the ball, and that's what scares me. Notre Dame, their offensive line looks great on paper. We talked about Joe out uh, last week. Yep. He's going to be a projected first-round pick, obviously. You know what scares me, though, is if you watch the interior of that offensive line, center to guard, mm-hmm. they've actually looked rough, man. Last week against Central Michigan, Sam Hartman took a beating. A couple weeks ago against North Carolina State when we laid the points with Notre Dame, they only had three points before that weather delay, and Hartman took some shots. So I'm worried, man, because Ohio State's defense, year two under Jim Knowles, with those edge rushers, Sawyer and JTT, I think they might make life a living hell for Hartman. So as long yep. as they protect them, Notre Dame's live in this game. But I, I worry a little bit about the offensive line. So in college football, we do have six rank versus rank matchups, and, and we have just good matchups in general. I want to start sort of in order here. Uh, we have Florida State visiting Clemson. Um, and honestly, I, I think Florida State's a better team, but you have to go to Death Valley, and, and you never know how that's going to turn out. We've seen Florida State come up short in this game before. 
Um, but they're the number four team in the country. They just, I mean, come off a game against Boston College. It was, it could have been, a, it really looked like a look-ahead game. It looked like one of those trap games. Um, and it, it, it played that way as well. Florida State only won 31-29. to Now, granted, they had a bunch of guys sort of, you know, hobbled out there, if you will, with a little bit of a sickness. Um, but but what do you think about this game? Do you think Florida State can run away with this thing? And then ultimately, like you look at the rest of their schedule after Clemson, I I, I don't really get worried about much. I mean, you could you could bring up Duke, you could bring up Miami, but I I think they are better better uh, better teams than those two, and they'll both be at home. So it's funny because here's another one where game of the year I loved. Well, actually, I thought Clemson might end up being favored in this game. I had higher expectations for Clemson, especially at home in Death Valley. But they laid a stinker against Duke. But, man, if you go back and you watch that game, they probably should have won that game. It was week one, new offense, which we all wanted to see the Garrett Riley offense. Unfortunately, we saw the Dabo Clemson offense we yep. saw the last decade plus. It's getting people fired. But they had a lot of bad red zone turnovers. It was start one. I mean, I know Cade started some games last year, but like that was his first you know, game one, I'm the guy. And you're going against a pretty tough Duke team. Who we're figuring out is for real. Like I think Mike Elko is the next guy that gets the big job or these programs are crazy. I loved him in Notre Dame, man. I knew we couldn't have nice things, him running the defense for more than one year. But I just think Duke's a little underrated. I like Clemson in this spot. Uh, I don't know how they get it done, but I think the number is even telling you they're the right side. It's at two and a half. If we get back to three, I'm going to take the points. You know, you look at Florida State, they really struggled last week against Boston College. And there was a lot of fluky stuff, like you said. Flu bug hit the team. I'm glad that you brought that up because nobody's talking about it. They prepared for like a hurricane weather game, which so did I. I bet the under. That was a terrible decision. <laughs> and Jordan Travis got hurt for a couple series in that game. But still, like the offense hasn't put together a full four quarters yet. Against LSU, it looks yep. great on paper, but we got to remember they were Second down half. three at the half. Jordan Travis threw an interception, and they look like a mess. It's just Brian Kelly can't coach in big games and falls apart. So. I don't know how Clemson does it. The offense looked like it clicked last week. Of course, they didn't play anybody, but I like them to find a way to win this game. If they lose this game, season over. Two losses already, one in conference. Like, pack up your bags. You're, you got nothing to play for the rest of the year. So, I think they play with some urgency. They're going to be desperate. They're at home. And I love Florida State, but I think they get tripped up once. If it's not this week, Miami might be able to take advantage because right now, also, Florida State's defense, sure, they might have the number one overall pick, but he doesn't look like he really wants to be out there this year. And the secondary, the back end of that defense, I'm a little worried about, man. So if, you know, Clemson can't take advantage because they don't have wide receivers that they could scheme open, because let's be honest, like nobody in Clemson's wide receiver room could create separation. That's their issue. But if they don't take advantage, I think Miami might be able to in a couple weeks because Tyler Van Dyke and those receivers look really good right now. Now, Ryan, I got to say I would be very disappointed with that outcome, not just because Mike Norvell is my former coach at the University of Memphis, but because I want to see the day of reckoning come for Clemson. I think that Dabo has, has sort of putzed around for a long while, and now like you get to this new age of college football, and he, you know, he tried to reject NIL, couldn't make that work. Now he's tried to reject the transfer portal when guys like, you know, on the other side, Keon Coleman was out there for the taking. He could have brought him in potentially, and he decided he doesn't want any transfers. I just feel like Dabo needs to learn this lesson going forward in college football where that Clemson program is really going to struggle. Yeah, Dabo wants to treat it like it's college football from 10, 15 years ago, which I'd be fine with because, I mean, I missed that too, but it's just not how it is now, man. It's almost like the minor leagues now. you got NIL money. But where he really messes up 
is what you said with the transfer portal. Keon Coleman was right there. And that's what this team has needed for the last couple of years. Right. They haven't had their Sammy Watkins, T. Higgins, wide receiver that could create separation. You have to hit the transfer portal. And I'm with you. I'm cheering for Florida State. Half my family from Tallahassee went to Florida State. My cousin pitched there. I just like Notre Dame. I've kind of seen this movie before, and I need to see them go into Death Valley and win this game before I could truly believe. And I need to see Florida State's offense play a full four quarters and the defense live up to the expectations. Like, they were number one in total defense in the ACC last year. They look like they regressed, and they brought most of their guys back, and they hit the portal. So, I'm with you, and I really want to see Dabo lose. Yeah. Especially because, I mean, let's, let's, I want to see the Garrett Riley offense. He won't give us that. So, I'm with you. Right. I completely agree. And here's another one that you have to see to believe. Ole Miss on the road against uh, against the Bama in, in Tuscaloosa. I I said it earlier in the show. This is the premier opportunity for Lane to get over top, but I still am not convinced he will. I don't think they've done good against uh, running quarterbacks. Jalen Milrose back starting. I sort of wonder what that's going to look like. Um, but going on the road, last time this, this game was the case, we saw Lane Kiffin go for it on fourth down like a million times in that first drive, and then Alabama ran away from it. Now, ran away from them. I know Alabama had a lot more talent then. They looked like a better put-together team then. But this is the premier opportunity for Lane to finally beat Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with everything that you said. I'm, I'm going to bet Alabama. Right. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that because, it's, again, it's see it to believe but, it. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I, I completely agree that this should be the year. And on paper, this should be the Ole Miss team that can do it because they look really good, um, especially with Jackson Dart. You know, I mean, last year, you know, the running game – was there for him, the design quarterback runs. That always looked good. But this year, I think he's improved as a passer, the passing game for Ole Miss. That said, they haven't really played, again, the full four quarters. Uh, they haven't played anybody yet. And I actually, this game is going to come down to, I think this is a Tommy Reese game. You could say Jalen Milrow mm-hmm. or Tyler Buckner or any of those guys, but Jalen Milrow is at his best on quarterback design runs, getting him out using his legs. You can't run the Alabama offense that you were running for Tua and Bryce Young. You have to run the Jalen Milrow yep. offense. Again, like Clemson, you have to adapt here. More quarterback design runs. They've only called nine of them this season. So I think that's what it comes down to. And if they do that, I think they could take advantage of Ole Miss. I don't think Ole Miss is going to be able to run the ball against Alabama's front. And if you become one-dimensional against that secondary, I know Kool-Aid McKinstry hasn't played up to this potential, but still, I think you could be in big trouble. So I'm going to lay the points with Bama, but a lot of people I know did grab the eight with Ole Miss, which is why we're down to six and a half. Once we got under a touchdown, man, it's Saban. He's upset. He's pissed off. The narrative is this team's no good. And I don't think they're great, but I don't think they're terrible. So I'm going to grab Bama. But I'm, here's another one where I'm going to be rooting for Lane, though, because yep. if he doesn't get it done this year, when's he going to beat Saban? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm so with you. I'm glad you brought it up that way. They need to run the Jalen Milrow offense. They're stuck in between systems. Like, they went from, okay, let's spread it out, play just good enough defense the past few years with all these great quarterbacks, this great quarterback run they've had. Now they switch back. They bring in Tommy Reese. They bring in Kevin Steele. And they're still throwing the ball. They're still trying to drop back and air the ball out a lot. And I figured, you know, Tommy Reese, you, you saw him at Notre Dame. This is a guy who likes to run the ball. He likes to pound the rock, and it feels like they have not quite done that. They haven't accomplished that yet. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like, And that's the thing with college football. You know, when you do hit the portal and when you do hire a different coordinator, you know, it's going to take some time. And that's why I love overreactions in college football. For Alabama, though, I mean, also, season on the line right here. You know what I mean? Like, same thing. Like, that's what I love about this week is there's going to be a lot of desperate teams who we're down on, who 
really have to win, like Clemson, like Alabama. And it's just so crazy that they're both in the same spot because remember when we had that run where we're like, all right, are we ever going to get a different national title game other than Clemson and Bama? And now it's week four and they're both playing for their lives this year. Mm-hmm. Now, Pac-12, I, I saw this stat this morning. Pac-12 has eight teams with a 3-0 and record this season. USC, Colorado, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, Utah, Washington, Washington State. Now, granted, they're going to turn into dust next year, the Pac-12. It's, it's, it's frustrating, all this quarterback talent they have and how good their, their conference is. They're going to be nothing as we get into next year. But they have three top 25 matchups this week. Um, and I, I'll, I'll ask about them all in, in particular. But we have Colorado at Oregon, UCLA at Utah, and then Oregon State at Washington State. And by the way, Washington State, I think Cam Ward deserves a lot more credit in all of these these conversations with the top quarterbacks in college football. He's been unbelievable through three weeks and in the NFL draft conversations. I don't know what he – I mean, he, he in the past has not taken care of the ball as well as he should have, but that's beyond the point. I think he's been great this year. He was great last year as well. But who do you think – just overarchingly, just through three weeks watching these these Pac-12 teams, who do you think makes it through the shuffle? I know that they usually have a lot of uh, they 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 cannibalize in the Pac-12, but but who do you like the most out of the Pac-12? Is it USC? Is it Oregon? Is it uh, Washington? Washington's one that a lot of people like with Michael Penix. Yeah, great question, man. I think for me. Uh, right now it would be Oregon, and I really I think that's my favorite bet this weekend. But also I just – because if you look at the Pac-12, usually I pick uh, Utah, and I would do the same thing this right. year. But the problem is I we don't have a healthy Cam Rising. Kuthi hasn't been healthy this season. I'm not down on them. They're still tough. But uh, I'm not going to pick them to win the conference because I think Oregon has it all. I mean, offensively, I wanted to see what Bo Nix would look like year one without Kenny Dillingham, who leaves for the Arizona State job. Uh, he's still completing over 70% of his passes. Obviously, he's going to step up in class here the next couple of weeks. But what I like about Oregon is look at what Utah did. Like, they've been dominant because they're a Big Ten team that was playing in the Pac-12. You know, Pac-12 is all about explosive plays, not a whole lot of defense, good quarterback play, weak secondaries. And Utah, they're tough, man. Every year they're top 10, top 15 nationally, defensively. And that's what Oregon's at least trying to do right now. Now, they're not there yet, but you have Dan Lanning who comes over, you know, defensive-minded guy. Uh, you have all the right weapons on the offensive side of the ball still. So for me, it's Oregon. And, uh, you know, I would love to say USC. They have the most talent. If I'm making a prediction I before the season, you know, and I want to be lazy, I'd probably go with them. But the back end of their schedule is tough. And in the non-con, they also get Notre Dame. And it might be a pissed-off Notre Dame team if they lose to Ohio State with their season on the line. So I don't love that. Washington, I want to believe, man. Like, I love Michael Penix. I love Kalen DeBoer. I love that offensive system. But I just worry that they don't play enough defense. You could really right. say that about all of those teams, which is why you should be looking at Oregon State. The yep. problem is DJU kind of became DJU that we saw, uh, you know, at Clemson last week. We don't want him turning the ball over. But maybe a team like that, a team that actually plays some defense, that's the toughest conference for me to predict, uh, predict right now, though. Yeah, um, so you say you like uh, Oregon the most at home against Colorado. And I, I, I sort of get your oh, thought yeah. process. Uh, rain, Colorado's going to be without Travis Hunter, but arguably, not even arguably. He's their best wide receiver and their best DB at the same time. Uh, but that's a big-ass number. That's a big old number, 21 points, 21 and a half, depending on where you get it at. Um, does, does that number scare you off at all, or are you, are you laying those points happily? Yeah, the number is what scares me off from this not being my biggest bet of the year. What I did is I ended up playing the first half. It went from 11 to 13, but I'm just going to lay it with Oregon in the first half pretty big. 
Problem is, you know, on the look-ahead line, we were getting this as a 15-point spread. I had it circled. This was going to be when I would fade the public in Colorado. And I like Colorado. Like, Dion's doing a great job. Their projected win total, man, was 3.5. They're 3-0 right now. I like the starters. They have no depth, though. Like, we knew the starters were going to be good. We knew Travis Hunter was good. We knew his son was good. But what we didn't know was, was the offensive line going to hold up? How good were they going to be in the trenches? And what was the depth going to look like? And now that depth is going to be tested. I know Travis Hunter is just a wide receiver DB. But like you said, he's also both. He plays 126 snaps a game, and they have no depth behind him. So I would argue he's worth more to the market. So the big number does scare me off. I wish we got the 15. Unfortunately, Hunter got hurt, and they laid a dud against Colorado State, who, let's not forget, could have won that game. They got penalized 17 times for 185 yards, something like that. I don't have it in front of me. But they should have won that game. They lose in overtime. But, man, I wanted a better number. I do like Oregon a lot, though. But I think the best bet you can make is the first half because, you know, and you know what it really I think is telling? Dion has been very quiet, unless I missed something. He hasn't said anything this week. Dan Lanning was kind of running his mouth a little bit last week, saying, Colorado, what have they won? Why are we talking about them? Yeah. Dion had nothing to say. You know, Dion, he's talked a lot when he's played lesser programs. I think he knows it's the day of reckoning coming on Saturday. And you know what? I, people have asked me, can Colorado win this game? I say, no, I don't think they can win this game. But that's fine. That, that's totally okay. Right. They're not supposed to yet. Yeah. Maybe not, like maybe in a couple of years they can. Well, it's terrible because they're not going to be in the Pac-12. In a couple of years, man, if Dion decides to stay, which I don't think he does. I think him and Sean Lewis are elsewhere, right? But they'll be able to compete. Right now they can't. But like they shouldn't be able to. They should be more than 20-point dogs, honestly. This is a team that was 5-21 and 21 in their last 26 games. And that's what scares me against Oregon. Like, just a terrible matchup. Do you blitz Bo Nix? Are you getting home with three or four guys? I don't think so. Nope. Oregon's offensive line is the real deal. And then defensively, Shador Sanders has been great. He's going to have to get rid of the ball quickly, though. Oregon might be able to get home with three or four and might not have to blitz. The only concern I have with Oregon is their secondary. Obviously, you lose a guy like Christian Gonzalez, first-round pick. But they've kind of held up pretty pretty good so far. And, uh, you know, but it is a big number. And you have to worry about Oregon getting three consecutive stops against that offense. But, yeah, I just I don't know how Colorado gets it done. Yeah, if I'm if I'm digging into like if I'm criticizing Prime, which is, there's not much to criticize. I mean, three three and zero at this point, considering you know what they were last year and what he did this offseason, right. it's unbelievable. And he's won he's won games in different ways. That Nebraska game was a slow down, grind it out type game. They they figured it out. Uh, the other two games were up and down the field, had to go score when when it, especially against Colorado State when it mattered. They went down, they scored. Jimmy Horn had a terrible game until he caught that. Uh, uh, that that touchdown pass that ultimately, uh, you know, right after that they had the two point conversion, got to overtime. So it's been impressive as hell. But if I if I'm poking a hole in what he's done, this shouldn't be surprising though. His O line and D line is just so bad. They're just not good. And I guess his D line as fourth quarters hit so far this year, they somehow wake up the pass rush. But that O line, I, I this is why I think Shador Sanders, you know, deserves as much NFL hype as we're giving him is because he's on oh, yeah. his back four or five times a game, even in, even against not-so-good opponents. And he still stands in there, cool, calm, collected, and makes something happen. If you tell me that he's going to be the best pro quarterback other than Caleb Williams in the Pac-12, I won't call you crazy. I would agree. I like Bo Nix. I don't know what he is at the NFL level, though, right? Like, I saw him at Auburn against SEC defenses. I don't know that I trust him going against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football. <laughs> right. But Shador, 
Shador's like a point guard, man. Like, he just gets rid of the ball. He always knows to go where – he knows where to go with the ball. One last thing I'll say about Colorado, because people have been calling me a Colorado hater. I'm not. It's just a projected three-and-a-half win team that now you're telling me is going to hang in there with Oregon, who I predicted to win Pac-12, and I just don't see it. They're really well-disciplined, man. Like, if you notice, right after the play, they get – they hand the ball to the official, they get right back on the ball. Like, Dion is a very good coach, and he's surrounded himself, I know I say this every week, with really smart football people like Sean Lewis, which is why that team's been so successful to start the year. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I also with Pac-12 quarterbacks, I know I mentioned it earlier in this conversation, but sort of briefly, is, is, is Cam Ward from Washington State one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country, or am I just am I, am I on drugs? Am I, am I losing my mind? I feel like, I mean, he's 77 for 107, 990 yards, 9 TDs. He's their leading rusher. I, I, I don't get why this guy is not getting as much hype. Obviously, they're in Pullman. I mean, we're talking about Wazoo. That's probably most of the reason. But damn, at some point, people are going to have to give him his respect. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, like, I faded them this week, but I agree. Like, he is the real deal. And I that's why I liked them last season. I didn't do anything with the win total, but I was just really excited to see what it was going to look like, especially anytime you get a quarterback that comes over with his former coach or his former OC and they know each other so well. I mean, I get it's like a different story, but Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, kind right. of the same thing, you know, coming over from Immaculate. But, man, he's been so good. And here's the thing. What would Cam Ward be? What would Alabama be with Cam Ward? Oh, God. Because you, you know, I completely right. agree. Like, he's 75% of that offense, man. Like, we talked about Grayson McCall for Coastal Carolina. I kind of wanted to see what he would look like with a real offense. Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman, as great as the numbers are, he's one of the best passers in the ACC in the history. It helps that he's been there for 15 years or was there for 15 years. But, like, imagine now you're seeing what he does with actual NFL talent surrounding him. Because we saw what he did at Wake Forest, and, and the wide receivers were good, but the offensive line wasn't. So I think if Cam Ward is at Alabama, they might be unbeaten right now. So mm-hmm. I'm completely there with you, man. Like, he is doing – everything that he can, and uh, they've been fun. Now, unfortunately, I do think that comes to an end this right. weekend, though. I did have to try to catch them, unfortunately. I get you. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talking with Ryan Horvat at Ryan Horvat, just one T on X from BetMGM tonight. He's also Odyssey Sports Betting Insider. On to the NFL tonight. We have Giants at 49ers. I uh, I told you off-air before we before we even started this segment that uh, I am I am prepared to lay lay all the points. 49ers minus 10.5. No no. No uh, Saquon Barkley, no Andrew Thomas. That's pretty massive for a Giants O-line that already stinks. Their best O-lineman's going to be out. And the 49ers can get after the pass. The 49ers offenses look good through two weeks. I uh, I don't give the Giants any any chance in tonight's game. What, what say you on it? No, and that's why I'm so glad that we got the Georgia Southern game because I'm with you. I'm not going to bet this game. If I were to bet this game, I would only bet San Francisco, and I hate laying once we get past key numbers, like a 10-and-a-half. Right. But I just don't know how you make the case for the Giants. You could say Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka are two great offensive minds, and if they had a full week to prepare for this San Fran defense without Saquon and Andrew Thomas, maybe they figure something out. But it's a short week. Like you said, you're without your tackle. You're without your best running back, who's like 65% of your offense. And look what San Francisco does defensively. The one area you worry about is their DBs because they're 22nd against the deep pass. I don't think Daniel Jones and Jalen Hyatt, I mean, maybe Jalen Hyatt catches a couple balls, but they don't really worry me, right? You worry about the tight ends and the running backs, and that's what San Francisco does better than any team in the league. They take away those short passes. So I think Daniel Jones is going to be under pressure tonight. I think it could get ugly. I don't want to lay it just because it's a short week. It's a weird, fluky kind of Thursday night type game. But I would only bet San Francisco in this game. 
I actually planned on betting the over, thinking, man, San Francisco might hang 40 themselves against this giant right. secondary. Problem is, like, that number continues to go down, and it's Thursday night. Unders are always a great bet on Thursday night. So what I did was I stayed away from this game, other than one player prop. Daniel Jones, under 33-and-a-half passing attempts. Of course, it could be a blowout. But even if it's a blowout, are you really dropping him back with that offensive line to get teed off? By Nick well, yeah, Bosa, both, yeah. you know, you got Fred Warner in coverage. So I like the under <laughs> on his passing attempts because if Dayball and them want to stay in this game, they're going to have to come up with some way to run the ball. And I don't know how they do that with their backup running backs. Well, what, what's going on with the Bears, by the way? My gosh. We have Allen Williams Here. out as a D.C. and I mean, more than more than anything, though, the Justin Fields presser was pretty. Uh, that was a little bit of fireworks. Now, he came back and he explained afterwards that may, he's not literally going after Luke Getze and saying he's a terrible coach. Uh, but he did mention that coaching was one of the reasons he's playing so robotic this year. Isn't it amazing? We 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 talk about all off season. Justin Fields is going to be a a improved quarterback. This Bears team with what they've done in the off season with Ryan Poles, they're going to be an improved team. And then two weeks in, they look like the dumpster fire of the National Football League. And that's saying something because we have the Cardinals alongside them with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. It's amazing. Like they are the worst team in the National Football League right now. Yeah, absolutely. And as Packer fans, we're all kind of taking our victory lap because there was like a lot of trash talk going on this offseason. Like the Bears, for a team that hasn't won the Super Bowl since 1985 or just been irrelevant, you would think like this was the year that they were the Buffalo Bills coming into the season. Instead, they're a disaster. Uh, God only knows what's even going on. I haven't even really paid attention to the whole story with Peanut Tillman and the FBI. I, it's been it's been denied like several times, but then there's like more reports from Pat McAfee saying that Alan will uh, you know uh, their their DC's yeah. house got raided by the FBI. It's all over the place. I've, it's a bunch of unsubstantiated reports, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, um, it is uh, like a big mess there, obviously in Chicago, and I would think that eventually, like Ryan Poles is going to have to make some decisions because. He's only been there a couple of years, and it's funny because like I, I actually like what Ryan Poles had been doing. <laughs> right, but same. When you look when you look at it, man, they spent a bunch of money on the inside linebacker position, which you just don't do in the year 2023. Good thing for him, though, like why he will save his job most likely. Uh, he didn't draft Justin Fields, so like if they're bad enough, and they might be bad enough to get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, he could just pull that plug because. Yep. Uh, you know, Fields was a um, a Ryan Pace guy, not a Ryan Poles guy. Yeah, it was Ryan Pace trying to save his job at the tail end. Now, last thing for exactly. uh, for Ryan Horvat, BetMGM tonight, and also Odyssey Sports betting insider. Why why is everybody coming after our Memphis Grizzlies here in Memphis? Like, what's what's the deal here? We have Evan Turner saying they should move to Nashville. We have a guy from the Volume of Sports, I think Jason Temp, saying that Jalen Brunson is a better player than John Morant. Why 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 does everybody come after the Memphis Grizzlies? Have they have they put this target on themselves or what? I don't know. I love it, though, to be honest, because I've been talking about this you know, whenever we talk NBA. Like, I, uh, I'm i actually going to buy low on the Grizzlies this year as okay. far as a win total. I don't know if they win a championship. I don't know what the Celtics were thinking trading away Marcus Smart. Right. And I know, like, people will laugh because it's Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is actually one of the better clutch players, honestly, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, I don't know how much you pay attention to those numbers or care about them, but we know what he is defensively. I don't think he deserved that defensive player of the year a couple of years ago. But I thought Ja was going to be suspended for like 50 to 70 games. Oh, wow. I mean, I think they'll be able to survive. I thought they were really going to like try to lay the law down you know, for whatever reason, man. And instead, I mean, I'm not going to say that's a slap on the wrist. That's BS in my opinion still. But uh, 
I don't know. I, I Two years ago, they were the hottest team. Now everybody loves the Sacramento Kings in the West. I think the Grizzlies will be fine. Now, I do think they may have, like, I don't know. I don't want to say they missed their championship window, but I do still think they're like a big piece away. I don't know how you compete against Phoenix if they stay healthy. Um, there's just a lot of what ifs in the West, though. Like, yeah. I, know, I like what the Lakers did this offseason, but are they good enough to win a championship? I don't know. Are the Clippers ever going to be healthy? Uh, it's it's tough to call right now. No, I get you. I get you, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about that as the season rolls oh, yeah. around. But, Ryan, appreciate it, man. Thanks for popping on. We'll do it again next week. Thanks so much for having me. Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. That is Ryan Horvat on X at Ryan Horvat, just one T. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.